<laughs> I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes. Like a doll's eyes. I love this town! <laughs> Hello, city! Hello, everyone. This is Bob uh, popping in before the actual episode starts just to go over some little site business. If you're coming in to us for the first time, thanks to uh, our guest today, which you'll listen to here in a few minutes, uh, thank you for giving us a try. Please make sure to go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a comment, uh, give a little rating so we can get a little more push there, or SoundCloud or wherever else you found us. Uh, and make sure to head over to CityGeek.com and to our Facebook group, because uh, we do have a lot of stuff going on outside the podcast. We're not just a podcast. We put up uh, movie reviews, video retrospectives. We have a Stephen King retrospective that just started this month, um, so go to our YouTube channel and like and subscribe over there. Uh, go to just go to the website, see everything we work on, everything gets posted there. Go to the Facebook where we'll put up trailer reviews and other notes that we're not putting onto the website. Uh, we usually have something coming up every day, whether a short review or a retrospective or anything like that. So go ahead and check that out. Um, go to Crypticon in a few months when we meet us all there and talk to everything that we're working on. And uh, thank you for listening and enjoy the episode so this is city of geek podcast this is episode number 12 today we're going to talk about horror comedies uh and we have myself bob uh tony kim and we got a special guest today go ahead who are you sir uh, i'm steve holitz from the bone bat show podcast and the comedy of horrors film fest yeah before we get in talking about the the topic at hand do you want to Tell us about your podcast and your uh, upcoming just, film fest. First, I, you know, I've been summoned to hear Tony say it. You just have to say the word dick jokes three times. <laughs> Steve shows up. Tony says that. That's all we had to do. My reputation precedes me by Absolutely. six to eight inches. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, I am the uh, co-host of the Bone Bat Show podcast with uh, my friend Gordon. I've been doing it for... Ooh, 11 years now. Wow. And uh, a few years after we started, we branched out into a uh, comedy horror film festival, the only one in the world that we know of. And uh, we're about to go into our ninth version of that on Woo! April 13th at SIF Cinema Uptown in Seattle. I'll put the links to that, of course, in the description, uh, but definitely Thank check you, Bob, out. Bob, you're a swell guy. Of course. <laughs> what's, the, what's the website for, for you guys? Bonebat.com. B-O-N-E-B-A-T. And you also find the website at Bonehand, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, that's kind of the, the overall general. source for everything. <laughs> so go ahead and check that out and go to SIF and, uh, I mean, then see us, at, see everyone, because we'll all be there at SIF on yeah. April 13th. That's one of, the, yeah. one of the things is it's it's a definite party. There. It really is. It's, it's a great place to see people you only see a couple of times a year mm-hmm. and uh, have a few beers, watch some really funny and scary movies. Uh, we basically work really hard to make it sort of a, a mixtape of the macabre, so... There's going to be stuff that'll make you laugh. There'll be stuff that'll probably nauseate you. Of course. If yes, we're so. doing our job. Yeah, well. I was going to say, if yeah, you're right. right? No, kidding. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry, a few Gordon, things no, no. that'll make your heart stop in your chest. So. Amen. It's like the kickoff to Halloween for me. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Halloween doesn't really yeah. stop. Six yeah. months early. And live music. We've got that. The <laughs> oh, Pine Box yes. Boys are coming yeah. back this year. I'm excited about that. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah that's they're, they're awesome. awesome. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. 
And that's uh, that's how I met Steve a couple years ago. Uh, I do want to know that, yeah, Steve's one of the friendliest people in the horror community that I've met. Because uh, I was just walking around the convention, not the convention, uh, the convention being Crypticon, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, I was walking around uh, Sif, and he just stopped me. He's like, hey, you having a good time? Good to meet you. <laughs> just stopped for a few minutes. It's like, okay, cool. That's like, how Steve rolls. Randomly. Like, just some guy walking by, you know, and he stopped and said hi. So that's awesome. <laughs> Two years later, here we are. What's funny is that years before I was ever able to attend because I think there was a number I well it used to be out in Redmond yeah uh, which was a little harder for me to to come out to and Jerry was the one who would I would just get messages from this guy being like go to Bombat go to Bombat before I'd even met him uh, Jerry Cooch is historically one of our, our greatest patrons. That is, guy has shown us so much love well, over the years. And it's 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 uh, it's funny because when I finally did my first one um I don't know if it was two or three years ago now. Uh, and I, I, I was genuinely regretful that that was the first time I've been out because it was so much fun. Oh, uh, you are too kind. <laughs> it was Thank so you. much fun. So if if you're if you're even on the fence about it, do it. You will not regret coming. I, it is yeah, amazing. You I can't would, go wrong with 11 hours of no, like 40-something shorts. <laughs> yeah, I would Less highlight two movies. And, they, they say wine and beer, which is awesome. And um, and also, I think I think uh, it must be mentioned that your selection is consistently top notch. Yeah. Um, oh, I yes. have seen, Thanks, uh, and I mean that's that's borne out by the cult reputation that some of the features that you've screened have have acquired. I mean, you've screened Grabbers, the Irish comedy, which is wonderful. Um, just uh, it was either last year or the year before you screened a movie called Patchwork that I absolutely loved. And didn't that director direct? Um, he did. Uh, he did. Did he? Is he the one that not, did? F- not Final Girls. Um, Happy Death Day. No. Oh, it's gonna drive me nuts. Now. He did it something. Was, it, was, was it, it was pretty recent too. Yeah, it was, yeah. It, was like a, it was out last year actually, and it had hit video on demand yeah. like two months before our fest. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a bunch of the people in the horror community that I follow, like probably you, were posting about how you enjoyed the film race. I'm like, well. They've already seen it, so it, it wouldn't uh, be a good. So uh, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be a good choice. But oh, he did tragedy girls. Yeah, tra- yeah. Yeah. Tragedy yeah. girls. Yes. Yes. yes that Which was is fantastic. absolutely fantastic. That yeah, it's a great fantastic. movie. Fantastic. Uh, and patchwork is horror comedies. Yeah. I just, I just, I just shot my wad, as it were, because patchwork was one of the horror comedies on my list that I am especially fond of. Yeah, that's, oh, nice. yeah, it, well, we can, we how can much you love horror comedies is one of the reasons we invited you here besides being an awesome person. And <laughs> uh, last year at, at Crypticon, uh, yeah, you, host, you hosted the panel. Yes, on, we did a panel that, together on it. Uh, which was a which lot was of fun. Which was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was, lots of great titles, lots of things to seek out from that. Uh, but before we get into that, Steve, let me ask you a question. Yes. What makes you happy? What makes me happy? <laughs> Referencing uh, his, his new, own podcast. Where new albums by <laughs> bands I like. Um, going to the movies. You know, being in the, the kind of geeky film community, so many people seem to hate movies. Yeah. And even, you know, I, I have a good time almost always. If I've got popcorn in my hand and I'm watching something on a big screen, I'm almost always happy. Yeah. I'll find stuff I hate about it, but I love going to movies. <laughs> so that makes me happy. Oh, he hates the, uh, everyone else is um, in the theater. Playing music with friends <laughs> makes me happy. Mm-hmm. That's that's a great time. Speaking of what Steve is the uh, co-front man of a band called Social Meteor that does all sorts of awesome covers, and uh, I've seen them perform before. It's a, it's a good time. It's I a appreciate lot of that you guys have come out to support us. It means you're, a you're a bit of a renaissance man. This <laughs> so yeah, those those would be some things that uh, make me happy. Cheeseburgers make me happy, Bob. Yeah. I love a good cheeseburger. Yeah. 
Cool, cool. And horror comedies. <laughs> yeah. Which we're going to talk about here tonight. Yes. So, uh, yeah, we're ta- we're, so we're going to go on about our favorite horror comedies, what makes them work, what makes them don't, favorite directors that work in that, that genre, and just everything as it goes. Anyone who listens to the show uh, otherwise, uh, if you're popping in for the first time because, uh, because of Steve, we just kind of... Just go. <laughs> Here's the topic, and we just And we talk. always stay on topic. Yeah, it's completely oh, always, always. always. So, I'm Slavishly, just, almost. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, so, means um, no. No means So yes. I'm just going to toss it out there to, to start. Is like, uh, as a fan of horror comedies here, what, what draws you? I'm going to Steve first since he's our guest. What draws you to horror comedies maybe other over other sub-genres of the the thing that consistently draws me about horror comedies is the the physical sensation of following fear with a laugh the sort of the tension as you're scared you're watching something it's really tense and then to have that diffused by a laugh is such an amazing feeling and for me horror comedy is when it's done well is the only type of film that can really do that I mean, you'll have movies that make you feel, but to feel two different things back-to-back like that is an amazing sensation. And I think that on a visceral level is one of the reasons why I enjoy horror comedy so much. Is there a particular one that you like above all the others to start out on the top so we can go downhill from here? No. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. I mean, there there are so many good ones, but the, the, the ones that... If people were talking about the film festival and somebody doesn't really, well, what do you mean by horror comedy? I would most often describe it as, have you seen Shaun of the Dead? Have you seen American Werewolf in London? If you like those type of films, that that will give you an idea of what to expect with our film festival. And so that that's what I look for, is that mixture of, of a well-made film and, you know, scary moments, but also great... And so often it's character-driven. You have to have good characters and good writing to make the humor work. Especially true for both those Yeah, both those exactly. Titles. Absolutely. So, so those are the things that I think make a really good horror comedy, for me anyway. And that, that's kind of, those are the things that I start with. And it must be 7 o'clock. So we live in a days. house of clocks. <laughs> you may have noticed. This is, uh, we, are, we are recording live from Redmond's. No, um, we're not. We're recording live from a castle in deepest, darkest England. <laughs> <laughs> we took a flight there. Oh, there we <laughs> Are the clocks in the walls like that movie from last year? They're no. in the walls. They're outside but, um, the walls. <laughs> they're everywhere. Ah, and, and this will happen for the next five minutes or so. Or just Welcome be like, to my childhood. It's like when, uh, when, you, when you go to Target when you're a teenager and you just set all the alarm clocks for five minutes apart from each other yeah. then you leave. <laughs> you were that guy, weren't you? My this podcast was. has amazing ambiance. <laughs> <laughs> Thank sounds. you for having me. There we go. <laughs> Those are, I think, those are valid reasons. I mean, those are that's the key appeal to I think horror comedies. I mean, it's, uh, for me, it's just the simple reality of two extreme visceral reactions. And I, I have always thought of horror and comedy as being two sides of the same coin because it's re- it's eliciting a very primal reaction. It's either getting a laugh out of somebody or getting a scream or a shatter out of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that simplicity and purity of purpose. Um, combined uh, when it work when it's combined well and it works well together is it's kind of magic like Shaun of the Dead which is I think I I think that Shaun of the Dead and I'm sure everyone at this table will agree is pretty much uh, the epitome of a horror comedy that works 
That um, does cross cultural appeal too. Absolutely. That's yeah. one thing outside the horror genre everyone still knows. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, what is it that? Um, tell us a little bit, Steve, about uh, your first experience seeing Shaun of the Dead, and, and maybe what in particular you find appealing about it. I'm curious. I think uh, so. There's a, there's a lot of things. Um, it's often it's often described as being what a rom com. Yeah. <laughs> but who is the romance between in Shaun of the Dead? It's, it's between Sean. it should have been Ed. So it should be a brawl. It's between Sean and Ed. Yeah, to to uh, and and being part of a you know a podcasting duo with my best friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been friends since freshman year of high school. Ah, so we've yeah. been we've known each other for a long time, and so it was pretty easy to identify with those roles of somebody that that you've been friends with a long time, somebody who pisses you off sometimes, <laughs> but you'd love them to the core. And so I think that there there's something there that ties me to that movie yeah, too. Right. And then then you have the love of Romero mm-hmm. and the the salute to him and then the comedy and the great music yeah. throughout the film as well. Yeah. That all ties in to the different scenes in a really wonderful way. Yeah. And so there's so much great stuff the editing. Uh, Edgar Wright, I yeah. just love the it's way his stuff is so absolutely. snappy. It's a brilliantly directed movie. It's yeah. a re- and you can tell. You can see the seeds of all of the like technical virtuosity that, that Edgar Wright uh, has demonstrated in you know his newer movies. I mean, Baby Driver, you know, whatever yeah. anyone has to say about it. I, I love it. And, and you, can tell, yeah. you can tell it's made by somebody who loves film and who is um, telegraphing that love of film and everything that they're doing. Yeah. And, and I always think about uh, the Hot Fuzz. Oh, oh God. God. That's my favorite scene when they're, when they're pouring beer. <laughs> and it's like slam, the quick cuts, smash yeah. cuts together, yeah. and and he does that often in his films. But I always love it whenever he does it. It's such yeah. a, a great way to to tell a visual story. Well, yeah, and yeah. and it's you know it's uh, it's good evidence of the auteur theory. The, mm. the guy has very distinctive uh, distinctive patterns and uh, you know, kind of distinctive idiosyncrasies as a director. So and, I, and speaking of hot fuzz, which I love. Very close to as much as Shaun of the Dead. Actually, I like it more than Shaun of the Dead. It's, what I love about it is, as anyone who knows me knows, I am a massive fan of Italian horror cinema. <laughs> and that movie really? is a spoof of Jerry Bruckheimer bigger than big action movies and Italian giallo movies. Yes. It is literally a spoof of those. And so it's interesting that they got this movie into the mainstream because you know people were watching this in multiplexes thinking, oh, this is crazy and weird. And it's like all of the like totally over-the-top kills... And, and yeah, the violence things. is so uncalled yes. for in yeah. the film, and I love it. And it's all, it's pure <laughs> giallo. It's like so out of nowhere, like a freaking giallo movie. Yeah. yeah, I I love that movie. But his casting is always dead on too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, like the all of the actors in it have such great chemistry. They work mm-hmm. so well together, and they're all perfectly cast. Yeah. Uh, I suppose kudos to their casting director, <laughs> but uh, it's without the actors that I mean, even like the Timothy Dalton in Hot Fuzz. Oh I'm, God, I'm yes. A big Timothy Dalton fan. Yeah. And well, it, and the secretary in the police station is the queen and the favorite. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Yes. Six degrees of horror movie separation. Yeah, even That's then, right. of course, then Edward uh, Edward Woodard mm-hmm. oh, uh, yeah. is yeah. the the head of the council. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
But um, <laughs> <laughs> please continue. It wasn't an awestruck pause. We were each taking a drink of our respective, uh, respective beverages here. Uh, and that has to happen at the same time. But you touched on uh, something I think that makes a lot of... Um, a lot of horror comedies work. A lot of especially horror comedy directors, people work a lot in the genre, is knowing the genre, knowing how to set up a scare, setting up, but not only of knowing how to create a, a scare sequence or how to present you know, gore and blood, but also with a fun way, a sick sense of humor in a way. That's not, but there's a love behind it, something like Sam, Sam Raimi and Peter Jackson are two people I was oh, yeah. tossed about with that. Like mm-hmm. Evil Dead 2 being one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Within their work, especially their early works, where they really worked in horror comedy, uh, you know they know the genre and that they were presenting what they love back to everyone else. Yeah. Comparing that with some more modern horror comedies that are like sci fi channel, like I ranted about these last show, like Sarknado and stuff like that. Ugh. There's no real love behind those. No. But they're just throwing it out there, this is a joke, ha ha ha, with being surface level only. Uh, not working in either real direction outside of let's get drunk and watch a bad movie. Well, and one of the reasons why the good ones work too is that across uh your your level of fan i mean uh, the really good ones i think of like the the final girls which i've shown to a number of my friends who are not horror fans but they know enough about i mean they know the tropes of a slasher film enough because everybody does yeah that they can appreciate a lot of the jokes but then there's the deeper level to a lot of the jokes that if you are a fan of the genre you get that extra level and I, I think that's constructing things where you can keep kind of peeling that onion and you can keep uh, have multiple layers to all these things. I think that is also uh, a challenge and that's a talent um, because it's really easy, I think, to make something that's going to appeal just to fans. But it's it's harder to really reach across the board and have something that will be commercially accessible as well as one that your genre fans, who are nerds, like we're all nerds for our genre. We love our genre. We watch everything. And we we get the jokes. I think that's uh, the mark of a good movie. And I think that works a lot across, across the board for a lot of these. I, was, uh, I realized that when I was writing down my list, so many of these are meta in various yeah. ways. A Captain in the Woods, Tucker mm-hmm. and Dale... Uh, oh. Zombie Way and Final Girls are all referencing the genre that they're working yeah. in. Like, directly stating, like, these are the rules of this genre. Mm-hmm. We all know it, you know it. Um, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah. But, but in still, a clever but, way. But, but still being, yeah, we love this genre even yeah. if we are yeah. dissecting it. Yeah, and, and the best ones, I think, um, function as a good uh, gateway drug, I think, for people who are not huge horror fans. Yeah. You know, yes, people who don't absolutely. like horror movies like Shaun of the Dead. And Cabin of the Woods. Mm-hmm. You know, these movies have a lot of kind of uh, crossover appeal, yeah. which the best ones do. They're, they're gateway drugs. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Just one thing I'd like to say about Final Girls. Mm-hmm. To me, that one gets extra credit because not only does it give you the laughs and the scares, it also gives oh, you tears. It gets yeah. the heart. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Yeah. That, that is, has such great feels to <laughs> yeah. it. And not a lot of horror comedies do. Exactly. No. To, to pull off the the trifecta if you will uh-huh. that's something of, a, of an emotional film and, absolutely you know for, yeah, for me probably with their 8 rat, out of 10 yeah. film goers wouldn't even know that film a thing but it's fantastic it's and then, so you find, but then you find out sorry go ahead well, it's so good and, and that's one that I'm surprised did not get more attention uh, commercially mm. 
We just missed it. I feel like that's one that got away from us. It was it a came long out time like a year, year later. Yeah. Well, it came out in our off season, so we yeah. couldn't get it for the film festival. Yeah, I remember seeing it at the Civ Film Center. Yeah, I saw it at the Civ Film Center. It was a film film theater, but that was... Yeah. Oh, it was packed. It was, yeah. We were like, possibly well, in the same show. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was like September, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I, I think the problem is that that ties into kind of a broader problem. This is like a whole other podcast entirely of the fact that we're in an era where genuinely good, even great movies can slip through the cracks just because of an inundation of product yeah, yeah. and also as because a as, yeah. a, as a movie fan there's just too much movie yeah, yeah. exactly and and also because you know obviously major studios are investing in super safe bets yeah and something like the final girls is not a super safe bet in a lot of ways it deals with it deals with subject matter that's not as much in the mass consciousness as a superhero film or you know a uh, you know a cgi dinosaur movie or, or a remake of a remake or a remake, remake. Of a, thank you um so uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and you know, what a great, and again, overlooked gem, except for, I think, you know, genre fans obviously gravitated to it. And, right. I, and there's, yeah. uh, well, on the deeper level with, you know, with the uh, dusty theater every time I watch it, uh, <laughs> uh, of course you guys are aware, but anyone who's listening at home might want to know more, uh, is that it's it's written by Joshua Jackson Miller, I think that's his name, uh, who played Homer in Near Dark, uh, but his dad was uh, Jason Miller, who played... Uh, Father, Father Karras and the exorcist and his stepbrother or half-brother is Jason, Jason Patrick, Jason Patrick yeah. uh, from Lost Boys it's oddly enough the other vampire movie from 1987 um, and then so but Jason Jason Miller died young right after Exorcist 3 right so he didn't really have that connection with him so he had a dream one day about meeting his dad in The Exorcist but his dad's being Father Karras so he took that dream and he turned that into a slasher film and said that's how we got Final Girl so we have that that true connection underneath everything else because he's using that to kind of replay his own life. Well, and also one and of as those someone who has mom issues, my mom died young. That, that's a connection there, but go ahead, sorry. As a, one of those rare times, too, I mean, uh, something that I harp on a lot when I watch anything written and directed by a dude is how you've written and portrayed your female characters. And, man, he got it right. He <laughs> like, he really... Right. And that's... For me, that's really strong praise because I tend to be very critical of how women are portrayed in things written and directed by men because they're not portrayed usually particularly well. Um, but uh, he nailed the dynamic between the mother and the daughter and and the the emotional component to it. Like it was, uh, it, it again it hits on all the levels. And funny enough, the guy who directed that directed uh, isn't romantic, which is playing in theaters now, which takes the same concept but puts it in romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I have no interest in this. Then I saw the director, and I'm like, Oh, okay, the guy who made Final Girls made this. Okay, <laughs> maybe I'll watch this. I haven't seen it, but no. maybe one day I will. Yeah, I don't like Rebel Wilson, which I ranted about last time. <laughs> so I'll wait. That was right. She was a hate watch for you. Yes, yeah. she is. Yeah. Um, so, uh, how do we want to do this? Do we want to go down a, like a top five list or something like that? Or throw out a movie and do something historical. I mean, I, you know, I ended up digging kind of deep. I went very archival and was looking up a lot of kind of older, um, uh, one thing that I noticed is I think to a great extent, um, horror comedies don't become super prevalent until the sound era. Um, and that makes sense because you can't deliver punchlines uh, the same way <laughs> in, in silent films as you can in, uh, in you know, with talkies, with sound. Uh, and so kind of the first big upsurge uh, that I noticed, at least in my, in my deep dive, was uh, horror comedies from uh, the 
basically, it seemed like they started in the 40s. Um, one of the earlier ones was a Bob Hope movie called The Ghost Breakers, um, which um, Bob Hope, uh, for all of you youngsters out there, was a, a huge <laughs> entertainment institution for like 50 or 60 years. Um, he was a guy who did uh, you know, holiday specials like periodically on network television that were huge hits, and they were variety shows. Uh, he cracked very poor jokes in front of cue cards, and so there was an impression that he was just a very lame and stodgy old man, but when he was young, he was a really vibrant and likable co- comedian who had kind of like this sort of um, nervous, uh, chicken-hearted uh, relatability that really telegraphed well in film and really lent itself well to genre spoofs. He did a really great film noir genre spoof called uh, My Favorite Brunette opposite Dorothy L'Amour as one of the best bit parts of a horror character actor ever. Lon Chaney Jr. plays a big dumb thug in it and um, at one point in time uh, he's uh, uh, Bob Hope's character quips well you should you know crack open uh, walnuts because uh, he's using his biceps uh, Lon Chaney is and uh, Bob Hope says, well, you know, maybe you should do that with your eyelids. And at one point, Cheney is walking out of the room after everyone else has left, and he's blinking really hard, like blinking and blinking <laughs> like, he's, like he's testing out cracking nuts. <laughs> um, but that, that, is, but that, that was one genre spoof, but the one that, uh, that struck me that's very horror-related is one called The Ghostbreaker. Um, which is from 1940 and was remade in 1953 as a Martin and Lewis vehicle. Um, and it's a haunted house, um, you know, uh, horror comedy. It's very funny. Uh, Hope is very likable in it. Um, it does have a very unfortunate um, portrayal of an African-American, which is why it's not, I think, it's probably the main reason it's not prominently seen. Um, the African-American is a gentleman named Willie Best, uh, who was also known as stage name as Gnome de Screen or whatever was sleep and eat so that gives you an idea unfortunately of where that character went um uh, but that was kind of one of the earlier examples. And then four years later uh, was, and I'm sure everyone at this table knows it and probably loves it, Arsenic and Old Lace. Yeah, right. um, which, question which of course, I would solidly say it counts, uh, especially because it started out as a Broadway vehicle that was kind of tailored for Boris Karloff. And that's as horror as you can get yeah, in the mid-40s. Um, and it, 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 um, it exercises an air of like morbid black humor that was pretty far ahead of its time, I think. We didn't start seeing that kind of real black humor um, exploited richly in a horror comedy format for another 20 years after that. So those are kind of the earlier examples that I came across. Um, also, of course, uh, I think probably the best of the early horror comedies, I think, is Abbott and Costello mm. yeah. Meet Frankenstein, yeah. which is terrific. It's funny as hell. Um, it gives uh, it gives a couple of... Uh, great horror stars a chance to shine and even do a tiny little bit of uh you know of uh of you know if even if they're playing straight guys uh, you know a little chance to play comedy you know and you, and you get to see Bella Lugosi as the real Dracula for one last time so that one's a lot of fun too so I was just going to mention that I was lucky enough I think it was like a second grade there was a kid in my class whose dad was really into old movies and he had a 16 millimeter projector at home Oh, wow. And so I got invited over to a birthday party at this kid's house one year, and I think it was in second grade, like I said, and they showed Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Ah. 
And that was, to me, remembering back, that was like my first experience with a horror comedy. That mm-hmm. It had monsters in it, and it was funny, and it yeah. was silly. And it just had so much that, that even now today, I really enjoy about film. So yeah. that was definitely sort of a formative moment for me. And it's yeah. that show's still funny. Like, they did a bunch with the with various monsters. Actually, yeah. before they did Universal Monsters, they had Hold the Ghost, which is my favorite of Oh, yeah, that's of, terrific. Uh, the Avocacella movies. Thank you I, for reminding I didn't even me. put that on my list there. But but they, they, that The yeah, Invisible Man, The Mummy... Uh, I think it might Jekyll be towards the end. Yeah, they uh, jumped in that a lot because so, you know, coming after the Universal Cycle, uh, you know, people were just like, ah, oh, they're they're not scary anymore, this and that. So they became yeah. kind of more jokey. So they might as well toss Abigail. Well, plus they could reuse sets. Exactly. Yeah. They could reuse costumes and <laughs> things that they already had going on. It was a pretty easy yeah. thing to. Knock out a script of an yeah. you know Abbott and Costello feature, and we got the stuff we've for already got next door. Well, so. yeah, and and sort of you know kind of tracing a, a sort of a through line into modernish times. What Abbott and Costello were doing with all of these kind of monster tropes and staples was very much what uh, Zucker and Abrams did with Airplane when they started spoofing yeah. disaster movies. They were be, they were very cannily um, exploiting and satirizing uh, genre tropes that people were very familiar with, you know. Okay. And uh, and uh, yeah, it takes a it takes a fertile comic mind to do that. So hats off to the late great Abbott and Costello. And there seemed to be a lot of that type of movie like in the the forties, like when you. Buy like the fifty movies on disc, you know, for five bucks at half price books. It always seems to be what like the Bowery Boys meets Bella Lugosi or oh, yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Or yeah. usually, you know, walk around a cheap haunted house set. Yeah. Well, mad mad scientists, uh, guy in a gorilla suit. Yeah. yeah well, we're, if if we're trying to talk about good horror, <laughs> yes, I know, but we may those are be, good, but, but they're fascinating. They're there, they are yeah. they're fascinating as hell. If you've got the attention span to watch a, a slow older movie, they're actually really fascinating museum pieces, actually. Um, but yeah, um, going into more modern times again, I think really, you know, really black humor started really kicking in. I think uh, in the 60s and 70s, we started to see um, like uh, black comedies like The Loved One, which is absolutely hysterical. It's a 1965 uh, uh, dark comedy that uh, has. Uh, God, I'm forgetting who's in it. Uh, I haven't even heard of this before. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I just wrote it down so I yeah, watched it. Now. Just, it's, funny. <laughs> it's funny as hell. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Uh, it's funny as hell. Um, and also, actually, speaking of another director and another kind of filmmaker who really learned and was canny enough to exploit horror tropes to comic effect, uh, Roger Corman did yeah. that yeah. really well. I mean, yeah. of course, you know, he he kind of initiated sort of a second wave of horror comedies with Bucket of Blood and especially, mm-hmm. obviously, Little Shop of Horrors, which right. everyone knows. Um, if you have not seen the original and you're only familiar with the musical, do yourself a favor and scrape up a copy of the original. It's, it's easy to find. It really yeah. works. Yeah, it's public domain, I believe, so you can yeah. find it, it yeah. very easily. But it is genuinely sharply funny and all the more miraculous because it was made on a dare in two days yeah. by Corman. <laughs> uh, and all the things that are in the musical that are funny and kind of more sumptuously done are done in a much more almost punk rock, garage rock way you know, on on a shoestring a shoestring budget in Little Shop of Horrors. They, they, it's too bad that they didn't continue uh, Dick Miller's character into the other version. So like, oh, Kevin absolutely. Woody, like, he loves the flowers. He likes to eat them. Yes, <laughs> and absolutely. like, he, it's my favorite character in the original. And it's too bad he's never in the the later versions. The late great Dick Miller. He yes. also in Bucket of Blood and a whole absolutely. lot of stuff back then. Yeah, Walter Paisley in Bucket of Blood. 
Absolutely prime. And again, another example of, of doing a very capable kind of <clears throat> bit of horror spoofing where the whole um, beatnik art scene is getting like needles like shoved into that balloon uh, uh, throughout that movie. It's it's a really savage indictment of uh, of uh, trend chasing art culture. Um, and a, and a Porsche Lemiel who's just kind of caught in the middle of it. Uh, and you kind of love him even though he's like killing people and <laughs> coating them in plaster or whatever. Um, but speaking of Roger Corman, another one of my absolute favorite horror comedies. I, I, I'm the one who kicks it old school, everybody. Just, just putting that out there. Uh, is uh, Roger Corman, again, had done a whole spate of Edgar Allan Poe films that were a huge success. They were a big box office. And after about three years of doing them, they started to show their own bits of tropes. And uh, Corbin, very cannily, made a spoof out of it and made one called The Raven that is absolutely wonderful. Absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the funniest a, movies. Oh, you're I've kidding. It's, no, yeah, it's, it. a, it's a that trifecta of three of the, Holly, uh, three of the great horror actors. Uh, it stars Vincent Price, of course, because it's an Edgar Allan Poe, Roger Corman movie. Uh, it also stars uh, Boris Karloff, as the heavy, and it stars Peter Lorre, who is absolutely steals scenes wholesale uh, in the movie as a very cranky would-be magician who ends up getting transformed into a raven. Uh, it, it's just a, so we have the title. Yeah, there you go. It's just it's absolutely delightful. Uh, it helps to have a little bit of background in the actual serious Corman Poe movies because you can see him really capably satirizing himself in these. Um, and also, in addition to that great trifecta of classic horror actors, um, Peter Laurie's son is played by Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Uh, and oh, wow. of course, yeah. in Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I love that it's just it's just uh, it's just a total a total genial delight. Um, one of the interesting kind of behind the scenes stories about the Raven is that Peter Lorre uh, at this point in time uh, was very devil may care, don't give a shit, and he improvised a lot. So a lot of his lines in the movie, which are hysterical, are total throwaways. And it would really throw off Price and Karloff, who were both consummate professionals <laughs> and did the scripts to the letter. And then Peter Lorre would throw some total curveball in at them. And, uh, you know, partially, I think, just to knock them off guard. Um, but, yeah, it's, if you haven't seen it, uh, actually, even if you haven't seen a lot of the Corman Poe movies, it's just a lot of fun. It's It satirizes gothic horror um, in a very broad but extremely entertaining manner. And it's usually on double disc with uh, Comedy of Terrors. Yeah, which, which isn't as good. good. No, but no. It's, still it's still solid. Fun. But yeah. it's a lot of the same people think Basil Rathbone's in that one. Yeah, I think yeah. one of the Carlos not in it, but Rath Rathbone is one um, of them. No, I don't uh, have it in front of me. Yeah, uh, Comedy of Terrors is Boris Karloff. Comedy of Terrors, yeah, uh, Vincent Price. I want to say Peter Laurie is still in it. Um, yeah, I think those three. I, I think it's yeah, it's. I think actually it's Karloff, Price, Laurie, and Rathbone. I oh. think are all four in it. Oh, it's just adding Rathbone to it. Yeah, okay. exactly. I mean, it's it's not as good as The Raven, but it's still a lot of fun. And again, it's uh, it's on the uh, MCA uh, dual disc uh, DVD. And the fun thing about Comedy Terrors is looked up there to make sure I had the information right. That uh, yeah, Richard Matheson wrote the screenplay for that. And it's directed by Jacques yeah, Tourneur, me to the it. director <laughs> of Cat People and the greatest film noir ever made, which is Out of the Past. So. There's your deep dive into movie nerd. Yeah, uh, it is all four of them in that one. Yeah, you know a great callback to uh, the Corman 
gothic movies is also the second Elvira movie, Elvira's Haunted Hill. Yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes. Which yes. is oh, her wonderful salute to those films as well. Absolutely. Yeah, there's so much love the in The castle movie. horror. Yeah. Yeah. And Richard O'Brien being in that. Yeah, exactly. Rocky Horror and best horror yeah. comedies. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm surprised they didn't bring up Rocky Horror until now. <laughs> I was going to say, it's on there. It's on, okay. I have a whole musical section. I was going to say, I have a couple musicals on mine. Yeah, the, the theater nerd will prevail. <laughs> Oh, but the, yeah, Elvira is definitely someone who brings comedy to our genre. Even if she's yeah. presenting a bad movie with her own jokes to it or finds the, the most campy of things. Because you know, there's, there's humor in camp, even if it's not yeah. meant to be there. Yeah. Which I wasn't sure when approaching my list, like, do we include the stuff that was campy that wasn't really meant to be funny <laughs> that Elvira like represented? Dracula? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. yeah. i got to say, that's one of the most brilliant pieces of comedy ever. Or the remake of Wicker Man, which is still yeah, maybe the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Boobies! Boobies! Oh, God, yeah. It's like, just, not trying to be funny, but it's... I don't know. Again, I think, the most I comedies think, out there. That's a whole other podcast. I think right Nick there. Cage is trying to be funny. Yeah, uh, it's worth my paycheck, Nick Cage. <laughs> he punches a woman dressed in a bear suit in the face. <laughs> and kicks leaves of whiskey into the wall. <laughs> the price of admission right there. Gotta be loving that. But uh, as, as the uh, resident uh, possessor of the theater degree and the <laughs> theatrical interest, yes. uh, I am very interested in hearing your take on the Rocky Horror Picture Show and what uh, kind of how you first experienced it and kind of what it's meant to you as a theater person. Uh, well, I first experienced it as, as I'm sure many drama nerds did. Uh, we watched it for the cast party of some high school did, drama too? show. Yeah, that was, I think that's, well, it's also the how I first saw Army of Darkness. It was a tradition of my drama. Okay. Club. That's rad. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, we had a tradition. We had certain movies after certain. So I think the, the musical, they always watched um, Army of Darkness. And for, or no, I'm sorry, for the, the play, they watched Army of Darkness. For the musical, they always watched Rocky Horror. So that was my first exposure to it. And uh, I mean, I think I'd heard the Time Warp before, just as a song that exists so in culture. So Drew Carey was around. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was, I was sort of aware of it. But watching the whole movie from straight to finish... I remember at the time, I did not understand what a transvestite was, but I understood that Tim Curry was a sweet one, and I yes. was into it. Yes. And I was like, okay, sure. Um, and so there was, it's it's like looking back on it now, watching it as an adult, there's there's so many jokes that went completely over my head as like a 14-year-old, yeah. uh, which is probably good. Um, <laughs> but I think that's also why it's kind of delightful, is that yeah. you can watch it as as a teenager and, and there's stuff you're going to get, there's stuff you're not going to get, but you're going to enjoy it. Yeah, for, the mu- yeah. for the music, for the camp value. Yeah, for, for the camp value especially. And then as you get older, you appreciate some of the other levels to it. Absolutely. Uh, I saw it on stage for the first time when I was in college. And I do have to say, I I really like the stage show. I like, and I think part of it is that I never saw the movie interactively. Uh, and so the stage show was sort of my, outside of drama club cast parties, the stage show was my first experience of being like, Oh shit! This gets this gets ridiculous. This is awesome. There's you know the audience is yelling things and and they're interacting with the audience, which is awesome. Uh, and I I like some of the things that they take out of the stage show uh, for the movie. I like some of the the things that they change that are in the stage version of it. So I um I really enjoy the stage version myself. But uh, the movie's classic. I I was I watched the uh, the remake. It's okay. There's things I like, a lot of things I don't like. 
<laughs> I think what I liked the most was uh, Adam uh, Lambert. Um, yeah, he was the one thing I hated the most about it. I see. I really, I, he <laughs> He's was, the one thing I really didn't like. He was the one thing for me. He came, Adam Lambert is like habanero. You have to have a taste for it. You have to. Well, and he brought part of it was that he actually came on screen and suddenly there was life, and that was what was missing for me for most of it is that it had no life to it and it, that that can be kind of the hard thing when you're dealing with anything that's a musical on screen yeah but it's something that the original version accomplished it has life in spades it has life and energy and heart and and uh, camp yeah. and everything and and my biggest criticism with the the remake was that it was just so dull and this is not a show that I didn't know it was possible to make this show dull <laughs> oh, I've seen it dull I've seen it dull <laughs> and, and, and I was like I was I was bored and there was just again there was just no life behind it and and so love him or hate him he brought energy on screen mm -hmm. so um but i you know of, of all the horror musicals i enjoy uh i enjoy rocky horror but my favorite is still sweeney todd that being said very, Not, very dark. It's a comedy. -ish. It is. Yeah. It's a dark comedy. Yeah. But again, the stage show more so than the movie. The movie, yeah, the movie really lost the humor of it. The stage show, Sweeney Todd, that show is funny. Oh, yeah. It is so funny. A little priest kills. Literally. And figuratively. <laughs> I mean, like, it is, it is, the, the humor in that show is so tight and so dark and so delightful. And again, I did not know it was possible to kill the soul of something so much as the Tim Burton movie did. Which took it deadly serious. Took it so serious. And that and, and I'm just like, this is not a this isn't a serious thing. It's it's a black, black comedy. And it's intended to be. And it, anyway, I could this is a whole other rant that I could go on, which I won't. And maybe a whole other podcast. And I a mean, whole other podcast. Well, yeah, we definitely have a, a musicals or horror. A musicals horror musical yeah. should be, yes, because uh, this to be fair, this is it's it's horror comedy, but it it's Musicals kind of slide into that, but yeah. yeah, going back to like Hammer and everything. Oh, yeah. Hammer, like the first Rocky Horror itself, is a love letter to yeah, the Hammer, yes. which uh, filmed in same place as many yeah. Her Hor uh, Hammer horror films were. Mm -hmm. uh, it's fun watching these movies and then recognizing, recognizing Oakley Castle um, <laughs> or Oakley Court, and then but like even like the tank and the way Rocky's wrapped is straight up from the horror of Frankenstein, which yeah. I didn't. I watched yes. that after watching Rocky mm -hmm. Horror. I'm like. Oh, <laughs> okay. There we are. You know, well, and speaking it, of failed horror, feature, speaking of failed horror satires, the horror of Frankenstein is right up there. Mm. Uh, if we're looking at other movie musicals that are comedy, which there there have been, uh, Spider Baby. My yeah. God, I love that. And that's, I mean, not really a musical, but it's got yeah, that it's got, great. It's that got song. That it's song's got, awesome. It's got that awesome song, which makes me think it's a musical, even though it's not. And young Sid Haig. Uh, mm. My God, a baby Sid Haig. Yes. It's so weird to see Sid Haig in that. Absolutely. Uh, and that was one that Lenny pointed me to uh, for my 100 Days of Horror a couple of years ago. And I, it's quickly become one of my favorites. Uh, it's, it's weird and fun and and so bizarre exactly and there's an there's an aura of, of utter like bizarreness to that movie and this is like 1964 yeah uh, and it was one of the earliest it might have even been the debut of um, Jack Hill who was mm -hmm. a great B-movie director did a little bit of everything directed Switchblade Sisters a couple of Pam Greer action movies in the 70s um, but Spider Baby is, I think, his first movie, and it's one of his best. It is very funny, and it is so very strange. 
and it's also uh, even in its own way quite disturbing because it, it, it deals with it deals with a family that's suffering from a syndrome that's named after them, which uh, which involves cannibalism. <laughs> yes, and uh, it stars uh, also uh, one of the leads is Lon Chaney Jr., mm-hmm. who sings the theme song, which makes you think it's yeah. going to be a musical. Yeah. And he was so into making that movie work that he stopped drinking for like the three weeks. It yes, yeah, which is a heavy. Which is a, yeah, that was which a rare. That's, hard. that's a thing. And it's a committed performance from him. Which, it really is. Yeah. yeah, it's like one of his last two. It is one of his last performances. And he gave yeah. gave it all. Yeah. yeah, that would have been. Yeah. He died in '73. So yeah, he didn't do very much. He else didn't after do much that. after that. He was that. very sick uh, for quite a few years after that. And to be fair, they have made a stage show of it, which is also partly why it's oh, in my okay. head as being uh, a, a full so, out musical. Yeah. I had no idea there's a stage show. But there is. It's weird too. Is it your Spider which is Baby or the other? T- what the other title is? What the Maddest Story Ever Told? Uh, yeah. yeah, the Maddest Story Ever Told. It was also um, reissued when the movie didn't do well in theaters back in the mid '60s, which. When you see it today, you can see how ahead of its time it is. Oh, yeah. It's so odd that I can see why audiences back then just kind of scratched their heads no one and, know went, what to do and with went WTF. Yeah. Um, they retitled it Cannibal Orgy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which isn't quite Which that. really it's is like, not. One of those words is right. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And like, uh-huh. it's you know how, like, how strange it is something weird to put it out on DVD. Like if something weird is people putting it out, you know it's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun. But when if it comes you're in the right frame of mind. Yes. I was like, and then the, if you're sticking with musicals, uh, of course, besides things that have been adapted, like Little Shop, Evil Dead, uh, Young Frankenstein, but I did want to bring up uh, Anna and the Apocalypse from yes! last year. Yes! Yes, which was one of my tops of 2018. I adored that movie so much. Uh, and again, it's got heart. It's not just that it's fun and you've got zombies and Christmas and musical theater. <laughs> Which, that's like all of Kim's little boxes right there. Um, but it's it's heart. It's got genuine heart to it. Strong character, the romantic things. So it's it's like Shaun the Dead with, with a different set. With a different set. And, and with teenagers. <laughs> but it's it was just, and it was such a, it was so refreshing. Because I was not expecting, I don't know what I was expecting going into it. I mean, I'd seen the trailers, obviously. And I wanted it to be good. But... Uh, you know, it's best not to have expectations with horror films. I find <laughs> um, it, it was just it was just so lovely, uh, and that it just it is lovely. It, it's it's funny, but it's it's got so much heart. Um, so yeah, and the apocalypse. Uh, also, again, one of my personal favorite movies, *Phantom of the Paradise*. Damn right. Ah. One of my absolute favorite movies of all time, um, and partially again, it's so weird. Yeah, Brian De Palma's. Goes nuts. <laughs> he goes, it's like he's off the lead. You can see him not like his early filmmaking of like I want to do everything and it's Absolutely. gonna be color and we're gonna have split screens and yeah. we're gonna have all this crazy. <laughs> Paul shit Williams happening. singing songs and pa- oh my god, Paul Williams. Jessica mm. Jessica Harper dancing dancing yeah her yeah. dance when she's doing her little, little like funky dance during her audition I'm just oh, like yeah. you go girl uh, but it's it's it, it's this weird combination of serious and then. Then you have beef. Then you got beef. <laughs> which, which, you know, I know a difference between real and real. 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 To, to be to be completely uh, unsparingly honest, the characterization of beef is not super politically correct. No, but it's probably uh, Paul. No, no. So. and it was the seventies. Yes, and that said, Garrett Graham in the role of beef is. If you can set aside the very stereotypical stereotype involved, is absolutely hysterical in the movie. He kills it. Absolutely. Like he really, he fully commits when he does his 
when they do the the his musical number and he's coming out and doing his dancing and when he's wearing those platforms and slipping like full out ass planting on the stage like that is one hundred and ten percent, baby. It's it's like he he commits and yeah. I, I'm a big Paul Williams fan of his music. When I was a kid, I mean like The Secret of Nymph and all these. He did the music to a lot of the children's Muppet, movies. Well, movies. David the Bowie. Movies. David yeah. Bowie even covered one of his songs on Hunky Dory, one yeah. of Bowie's best records. And Paul Williams is one of those fascinating figures who was a total staple in pop culture. And I know Steve and I are the same general, you know, uh, kind of skew the same similar age range. And so we saw this guy on The Love Boat and yeah. Fantasy yeah. Island and Smoking doing, the Bandit and Smoking <laughs> the Bandit and doing variety shows and being just like like a total like renaissance dude mm -hmm. and a, a, a singular presence the kind of guy who would never become successful today because he wasn't pretty enough yeah and well, he was able to have a thriving career just being his his strange diminutive uh you know uh, total marching to the beat of his own drummer self and still found mass appeal well and that's part of what i also love about fam of the paradise with him specifically in yeah. it is is he plays this very vain character and who looks at himself as being the model of perfection. And yep. I love that they just uh, embrace that. Yep. Um, but it's, it's again, if you like weird 70s movie musicals that are, com you know, Faust, Phantom of the Opera, rock opera, this is the movie for you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I love Phantom of so, the Paradise. Steve, I'm just curious, what are some of your other um, kind of horror comedy favorites? Uh, well, I started really getting into that stuff in the 80s, so... The the thing that one of the first ones, Return of the Living Dead. Yeah, which, of course. You know, it's a classic. You know yeah. it, you love it. Yeah. Um, the and again, the sort of meta. It knew about zombies and it knew mm -hmm. about how to z deal with zombies. Yeah. But then it's got this awesome punk rock soundtrack, yeah. which yeah. elevated it for me as you know in high school. That oh, was I know. awesome. I know. Tell I sent away it. for the send more cops <laughs> T-shirt <laughs> out of the back of Spin, and I was just enamored of that. Killer Clowns from Outer Space is another one, just oh, yeah. over the top garish. Again, the Dickies doing the soundtrack. Uh, Theme songs, hell yeah. Yeah, music also a big thing for me in a lot of these films. Going back to Return of the Living Dead, you can yeah. meet Lene Quigley at Crypticon. That's right. I have. If you yes. want to go back a couple, a couple of years, yeah. we interviewed her on the Bone Bat show a couple of years ago. Oh, nice. She was here. So Hit the Bone Bat archives, ladies and Find out all about uh, some of my favorite scenes in Return of the Living Dead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you already mentioned, uh, Evil Dead 2 and Dead Alive are absolutely essential. Yeah, those were ones that, uh, for me, jumped into like when I started up. Like, uh, I met Kim on the Scream horror panel a yes. few years ago, which is Scream is another great horror comedy because it's you know a huge satire. Sorry, jump over you, Steve, but it's like because yep. it relates to that. Uh, jump away. In which that was when we meant to mention like watching Scream was kind of got me into the deep end of everything else. And that's it's like oh I love I want to find more B movies. And those are the number ones that kept coming up. All the websites on GeoCities and Angel Fire again <laughs> because it's late you know, <laughs> late late nineties. It's like the ones at badmovies.org is the ones on the top continually. Yeah. I'm like. I need to see those now. And they became favorite movies to quote and speak and, you know, connect to everyone else with. Sure, absolutely. I get that. Um, couple more. Uh, Ginger Snaps, I oh, absolutely yes. love. Oh, yes. That's a That is a great film and it's so fun. M Mimi Rogers is the mom. Yeah. yeah. Like her whole dealing with what's going on with her teenage daughters yeah. is genius. Yeah. It's yeah. just so good. Well, and the whole—I mean, it's—it's it's a very broadly rendered metaphor, but there's actually just enough heart in it, and and uh, and effect e efficacy in the performances to where um, the 
the whole uh, metaphor to uh, budding female pubescence is really rendered in a very uh, a very uh, amusing way, a very clever way, a very inspired way, and it's really hammered home by the performances, which I think are terrific. Yeah, know? it's too bad that. Neither of the sequels are really that great. Yeah. Neither of them measure up to what the first one was, yeah. to, in my opinion. And neither of them are that particularly funny. Uh, no. Two more from the 80s, of course. Creepshow. Yes. Uh, the, the line that I always quote is, she wanted to measure the bite marks. I guess she got her chance. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Fright Night, of course, yeah, is just yeah. brilliant. Yes. Chris Sarandon yeah. oh. does such wonderful like, work. Chris Sarandon, film. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's such cool. a good horror comedy. Charming as hell. That guy oh. is charming as hell in that and, movie. And Rodney McDowell's Peter Vincent. Yeah. Yeah. Really, and, and, really and, bringing yeah. it home. And, yeah, yeah, getting back to the whole um, kind of very capably satirizing the genre. I mean, obviously, you know, the name, just the very name of the Roddy McDowell character, Peter Vincent, yes. uh, is an obvious allusion to two great horror icons. And he, you know, and he's basically playing sort of a Peter Cushing offshoot in it um, with a very, like, uh, a very gentle and, and knowing sense of humor. And it's just, I mean, that's one of those movies that just, I mean, it wasn't a huge hit. It made its money back pretty ably when it came out, but it just, uh, it just has gotten... It's gotten better over the years. It's gotten it's gotten you know more amusing. It's it's gotten more resonant. Uh, I mean you know the the obvious datedness of the fashions and and the really bad. Speaking of soundtracks, the soundtrack I I'm sorry the soundtrack for Fright Night is just awful. It is a lot of it is a lot of American rock bands trying to sound new wave and it's just. It's as dated as and and out of it as a, a snubbed out clove cigarette. But it's, it's just... effects. <laughs> but its effects are, are amazing. Like, yeah. and, it's, and the, the melting of... dude and like oh, the, God, the yeah. eyes. And, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'll actually go to bat for the for the remake. Um, I was gonna say I really. I, it's not remake. as funny, but it's still a solid flick. Yeah, I haven't it, seen it yet. I... It's entertaining, and uh, David Tennant as the kind of uh, the modern take. Yeah. Uh, uh, more of a. Um, Oh, what's Chris Angel. Chris Angel, thank you. Uh, He's a magician now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because horror hosts have dropped away over time, so they don't need the connection anymore. Yeah. But uh, Colin uh, Colin Farrell as Jerry Danry. Colin Farrell. Colin fucking Farrell. Yeah. (laughs) Tony uh, Collette, man. uh, And And, Anton. Yeah. Yeah. Who would have been 30 today? Who would have been 30? I thought yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. I was off by a day. Well, we could, you could have said today and nobody would have known because it's going to post later. That's true. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Anton. We miss you. Uh, and then finally, uh, one that you guys kind of talked about last week, uh, Grabbers, which yes. <laughs> we were able to premiere in Seattle at our, I think, our third film festival. And uh, we were so batting above our weight class <laughs> on that one. Like, we just lucked into a, mil- a film that was really fantastic. It really it's, is. Yeah. It's well written. It's got all the heart in the world. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. The acting in it is wonderful. They've yeah. they got such a great cast. And uh, it's something that you can find pretty easily to see. The uh, story of Grabbers is uh, this meteor falls into the ocean. And these squid monsters come out. And they'll kill you, but uh, they they alcohol kills them. So this small Irish town spends the weekend <laughs> oh, so getting dead. slamming drunk so that uh, the so that space by tentacle creatures yeah. can't eat them. And... Yeah. Uh, Hilarity ensues. It's yeah. great stuff. It's a, it's a. The thing that's great about it is it's a very charming and very warm 
uh, little character-driven comedy that happens to have tentacle monsters yeah. in it. And that's, <laughs> that's why right. it works. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, it's a wonderful romance in addition to yeah. all the other things that it does. Well, and it's one, too. That's another one that I will recommend to my non-horror f- friends. Is mm-hmm. like, listen, it's a good movie. It's funny. It's sweet. Just... Yes, there's monsters in it, but it's yeah. that's beside the point. <laughs> it's good gateway horror. It's great gateway horror. And on that note, I did jot down a couple other ones because I'm a dad with uh, now my kids are teens, but they they both have retained a love of things horrific and uh, early films that we introduced to them. Uh, Young Frankenstein. Yes. Uh, Monster Squad. Yeah. Ghostbusters, which I know there's mixed feelings in this room about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gremlins and uh, the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie with yeah, it's very funny and it's, well, it's, it's a horror film scary sure. moments scary and there's moments some charming it. moments uh-huh. and it's funny and it's got a skeleton monkey a zombie monkey what do you want on the Land of the Dead commentary Romero called called it a horror film and said yeah. those are zombies and like because he wanted to have zombies walking on the bottom of the uh, the Mongahela River yeah. Land of the Dead he's like well I saw I saw Pirates of the Caribbean and I can't do that anymore so it it got Romero's point of approval so. Mm-hmm. So uh, those, those were all things that I, I think are, work well to engender younger viewers uh, to make them have a love of kind of horror comedy because it, it's it's not too threatening. It's got some scares, but it also has laughs, yeah. and that brings them along nicely to where. And I definitely have that in my notes about kids, family movies, like. And then yeah. martyrs. That's yeah. that's a great. Martyrs is a great. Oh yeah, totally. Sorry, this is the wrong list. We're not an Ian Bracken's podcast. And you get Paul over here. But it's like yeah, stuff like Beetlejuice, Adam's Family, Gremlins, Ghostbusters, the cartoon. I grew up watching the cartoons for Ghostbusters and Monster Squad. I watched a lot as a kid. They're all yeah, they're entry points and they're. I don't tremors. know. Oh, yeah, Tremors, right? They're right tremors. above that. Yeah. Tremors list. is super fun. And even that uh, Eight-Legged Freaks, the, yeah. the, oh, the yes. Spider movies, yeah. Yeah. is a ball of fun. fun. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of dumb, but, but it's, it's, good time. it's a good time. It's dumb mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. Dumb fun. Definitely. Uh, can I give a shout-out to Troll Hunter? Is one that oh, I think yeah. I love Troll Hunter. Yes. I adore that movie. Oh, it's so good. It is so and much And it's got fun. Queller Talk. The yes. ending music is... Yes. Me on. Oh, I love that song. <laughs> like, when he comes out and just does Swedish that first... death metal. Yes. Every time I see that, I laugh like a maniac. Yeah, like, uh, yeah me too. Me I need to rewatch it. I've seen it the once. It's, yeah, it's one, great. one of the things that's really, I think, brilliant about Troll Hunter is it, uh, and again, getting back to filmmakers who are doing very a very capable job of uh, satirizing the zeitgeist. It's a found footage movie, and yeah. it plays with the found footage, and it makes it makes really wonderful comic hay out of the found footage format. It's just it's just as you so eloquently put it, it's delightful. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of fun. I had the very good fortune of seeing it uh, at a uh, midnight screening at the Seattle <coughs> International Film Festival several mm. years ago, and I just was like, I nobody in that audience was expecting it to be as much fun as it was and as good as it was. And I'm just, I yeah. Um, I'm a, Speaking I, of fun movies from that part of the world, Dead yeah. Snow. Yeah. Dead Snow. Yeah. Oh, yes. God. I love that movie I love so the much, sequels. too. I, uh, yeah. I think See, the sequel comes, comes is, to the trying to See, this is interesting. But I love the end of it. Yes. The end of it is great. Yes. I'm, I will you, give you that. You know, this is what's really interesting. I, I will, I will uh, you know, stand out on a limb and say that I actually think the second one is better than the first one. 
I think the zombies have more personality. I think the pacing is better. I think the characters, the the uh, heroic characters and victims are less vapid. Um, I think that it works. Uh, I think it's got a higher energy level, so you get a lot of kind of Sam Raimi esque slapstick mixed with kind of a very um, a very uh, chilly Norwegian you know sense of black humor. For me, at least, and I know I'm in the minority here, really? I, I actually am very fond of the second one. I think it works. I don't hate the second one. No, the second one, I think, to me, suffers a little bit of the bigger, better, louder, faster thing. Yeah, yeah I would okay. the, yeah. the first film, we have to outdo it. Yeah. So here's what we're going to do. Armies of zombies and tanks. Cue the, bring in the, you know, yeah. like just <laughs> really over the top. But oh. it's super fun. And again, they, they the, the zombie ending of it, amazing. The yeah. ending oh, of yeah. it is the best. I don't want to spoil it. Just you should see it for the ending alone. Absolutely. It's, the it's ending is awesome. But Dead Snow was the first one, like, the intestine foo in that film is, to quote Joe Bob, is brilliant. The, the scene where they're playing, she's running away from the zombies, or is it a, I can't remember the character, and they're playing Hall of the Mountain King. Oh, yes. <laughs> and that, that is such just a wonderful, iconic yeah. scene yeah. of running away from zombies while that song is playing. Absolutely. And it makes it fun, and it makes it scary at the same time, and oh, I just, I adore that movie. Yeah. It's they're, both, they're both a lot of fun. Yeah. I, will, yeah. I will readily... Cop to that, absolutely. <laughs> um, one that hasn't uh, been really mentioned at this table quite yet that I was a little bit surprised, well, maybe not surprised at, because it's actually one of my favorite horror comedies, is actually The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, which I think is the only movies that yeah. are more quotable than The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 are Pulp Fiction and Casablanca. <laughs> I kid you fucking not. It is hysterical. It is pitched. And what I think is really really wonderful about it, one of the many things I really like about it, is that it was obvious that Toby Hooper was not trying to do a carbon copy of his first film. Yeah. And whether that was out of boredom and contempt or whether it was out of a, a, a sense of legitimate comic zeal, um, unfortunately we won't really know uh, <laughs> now, that he's, now that he's shuffled off this mortal coil, but... Um, the end result is absolutely hysterical. I think uh, one of the great um, jet black comic performances ever is Bill Mosley's turn as Chop Top. You know, I literally when I was when I was the movie came out when I was in my late teens and it played for one week at one theater in Tacoma, uh, and my brother was lucky enough to have seen it. And after that, he was quoting lines from the movie relentlessly. <laughs> So I would literally be, you know, at home doing the, doing the dishes or whatever, and my brother would walk by and go, "You hog bitch," <laughs> <laughs> or, or you know, or lick my plate, you dog dick. Uh, which are because mom's like, "What's going those on? are like right, those are like right up there with you know, we'll always have Paris and you know, um, as far yeah, as just right right on, yeah. right 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 um, right below Zed's dead, motherfuckers. Zed's dead. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but my Sonny Bono way. But yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely uh, not for all tastes. No. It is not. It, it is one of that special strain of horror subtle. comedy. No, 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 no. <laughs> It is it is the variety of horror comedy that is definitely made for hardcores, but it yeah. is it's that that terrible. jumps right into one. Like, similar in tone as uh, the House of Thousand Corpses. Definitely yeah. not. Yes. Maybe not Devil's Rejects. That's that's serious. No. Uh, but the uh, House of Thousand Corpses is is 
such a love letter to I love that movie. Spook shows. And I unashamedly love it. And movie. I think it's Me too. Rob yeah. Zombie's version of TCM too. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely the color palette and the the pitch level of the performances in it. And having Bill Mosley, albeit in yes. a more in a more kind of menacing and serious role, um, there's definitely you can see those those threads in there for sure. Yeah. Fuck your mama. Fuck <laughs> your grandmama. Well, and of course, and of course, one of the great things about that movie is seeing the you know heretofore unexplored comic talents of Sid Haig. Oh, he's so yeah. funny. Uh, and we welcome to everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't the, aware of him until until uh, then. Fr- then it was well, everywhere. I you know I always I was always a huge Sid Haig fan, and he had disappeared off the off the face of the earth for many many years as unfortunately is want for many uh, character actors and god bless rob zombie whatever people say about him as a filmmaker and about the shortcomings of any of his films the guy knows and loves character actors and frequently employs them to really rich effect and that's you know inarguably the reason why sid higgs career is back on track and why he is such a beloved presence at horror conventions Mm -hmm. and in horror films and in genre movies is because of Rob Zombie. That's the reason, and he's he's hysterical in that movie. You know, he's um, an instantly iconic character. That absolutely, yeah, that's one that like people would not have seen the movie, but they know who Captain Spaulding is. is. Yeah, and he, speaking of quotable, shit the man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I give a shout out to one that uh, I was surprised how much I liked uh, the voices. Oh yeah, that's on my list too. Which oh, was yeah, that was shit, and it was amazing. I have amazing. not seen that. I haven't either. It, it's and it's it's, it's Ryan Reynolds. Ryan yeah. Reynolds, and this uh, was uh, it's directed by Margie Setropi, who made uh, Persepolis. Yes, which is oh, completely wow. stylized. I was going to say could not have had it. Anna Kendrick is in it. Yeah, Jim Acts. Yeah, yeah, but it's 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 really funny. And fucked up. Oh, yeah. Like, really <laughs> fucked up. But it, that was the movie that made me look a little bit closer at Ryan Reynolds as being like, oh, A comic presence. Yeah. you're funny. You're, you're packaged really prettily, but you're... Like, <laughs> he's, he's a character doing, actor he's doing with the a voices lot of... Too. Yeah, because yeah. he does the voices in it. Because it's a, about a guy for... It's about a guy who hears voices. He thinks his pets, his cat and his dog, are telling him to do things. And so the cat's the cat's the evil voice, the and the dog's the con- the is good the, conscience. Yeah, right? and he does the voice of both. Which the animals. skews to real life very nicely. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yeah, true. <laughs> but um, it's also like so much about mental illness yeah. and how those type of drugs, like drugs you take for mental illness, mm-hmm. will affect you. And but without going into the details, but I don't know. If but it's 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 genuinely funny and weird, and not one that I would recommend to just anyone. Um, but it because it is a little fucked up. <laughs> uh, but it but it's it's quite funny. It's it's really well done and and Ryan Reynolds is really fantastic in it. So there. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to I've got to get on that. I've I've been familiar of it for a yeah. while and I just have never sat down and watched it. And I think it's streaming on Hulu. Yes, yeah, it's, it's yeah. easy to find. I don't. Know. Yeah, I get it on disc. So I don't know where it's streaming. It's, it's out one there. of the streaming services had it because that's how I first watched it. Yeah. So I want to bring up actually one of my very favorite movies of all time, which I'm surprised I haven't mentioned until now. Uh, it's literally one of my top five movies, and many times I see it, I still laugh my ass off every time. Is uh, what we do in the shadows? Yes. Oh, yes. yes, that's on mine. I yeah. figured that would have to come up. Yeah. with a TV variable. series coming TV, out. Yeah, too. and like. Next weeks, week yeah. or something. Oh, that's please, be good. First please be good. Please be good. With it's the people involved, I expect yeah. great. No, Buzz that's is good. I was just reading a review, early review of it. Yeah. It's been Speaking good. of Pitch Perfect and yeah. uh, canny uh, satirizing of 
found footage, that movie is just right there. And also, like, satirizing the entire vampire genre. Yes. You get, I actually remember writing a like, six-page paper on this on this film for a vampire film class that took a couple years ago of how each of the vampires are representations of different eras in the vampire. Oh, totally. Uh, between, yeah, the Anne Rice-style vampire, Nosferatu-style, the glam... Edward Colony, the eighties yes. uh, like Lost Boys type. Each yeah. of the each of them are a different type and how they and then of course the mundanity of this living in a flat together. Yeah. Uh, along with everything else. And there yeah. that movie is just made I, I think I laugh harder every time I see it. Yeah. Uh, and then the without ruining what the line is, the ham sandwich line. Oh. That brought down, I saw that at, a, at the Sundance Film uh, yeah. not Sundance Film Festival, Sundance Theater uh, here in Seattle, it's now the AMC ten. And I swear the theater laughed like five minutes straight. Like I, we had to go back and watch it again so we knew what the lines were after that. Because <laughs> we had no idea what they were. Because oh. that line just delivered and landed in just the right way in that audience. Because the audience was, was cracking up. Because yeah. I've shown it to people who are like, eh? and like, what's wrong with you? But I've shown it to people who've just loved it. Yeah. But usually go to a movie like, have you seen this? No. Well, we're watching it right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things that one of the things I think that is really impressive about the movie is. This is a general premise that could have been a three-minute Saturday Night Live skin. It, it's the kind of thing that, in the wrong hands, it would have been beating a dead horse. And because it has Taika Waititi behind the camera, and because it has uh, Jemaine Clement in front of the camera, and a lot of really great comic actors in front of the camera, um, it, it just—it's it, a home run. It just knocks it out of the park. It's hysterical, and there's even a little bit of poignancy to it, you know, um, th- that comes up in unexpected places, uh, which I think the soul of a lot of really good comedy. There has to be at least a little bit of that, um, which kind of gets back to you had mentioned American Werewolf in London, mm-hmm. which I think yeah. is, has a lot of like very funny moments, but it also has uh, there's also a strain of poignancy to it. Too. Yeah, it's a tragedy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah, no, feel for David and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. David, kill yourself. <laughs> you gotta kill yourself. Unfortunately, Arbiter. No. <laughs> have, you, have you ever been dead? It's boring. <laughs> Griffin, Griffin Dunn. Griffin Dunn is yeah. so good at that. Absolutely. Just the best, yeah. So, we still have a bunch of things on our list that we wanted to discuss. We don't have a lot more time left, so, uh, what's something that we should talk about, guys? Uh, something we have mentioned, something we want to talk into a little more. Uh, we had talked about Tucker and Dale versus mm-hmm. Evil, which yes. I think is I love that movie wonderful. so much. Yeah, I watched it very recently. I watched it like less than two weeks ago with a complete horror wuss <laughs> who absolutely adored the movie and had and and what's what's really interesting about it is this is somebody who is also very gore phobic and that movie is full of gore, mm-hmm. but it is pitched. Gore wise, it is spiritually the Monty Python night jousting scene. Um, it's <laughs> only a flesh wound, but expanded to feature length. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of gore. You gore. can never fail to make me laugh by displaying more possible blood than is in the human body. <laughs> yes. Every yes. single Thank time. You also, even though it's in Army Darkness. <laughs> there was a short we showed last year at the Comedy of Horrors. It was. Uh, Oh shoot! I summoned a demon. Yes, oh, yes, yes. yes. The guy one. sacrifices a chicken at the start, <laughs> and like seventeen gallons of blood come out, and I'm on the floor. That's all you gotta do. Yeah. That's the same guy who made Death Metal like the, the year before, right? Yeah, that's, right. that's, that's yeah. nothing. Chris nothing McEnroy, and not only blood. that, the first one is Bad Guy Number Two, which you can find online. Look it up. Hmm. It is hilarious. <laughs> it's about this gangster. 
underling, and he's working his way up. Oh, I saw that one. Yeah, I watched it on the and archives. So yeah. much blood. Oh, it's yeah. so good. Yeah, you can if, if you go to the website, you can the archives are still up from the previous years. I've just been searching them. Yes. And, and just like watching one every little while. So that one's one of the ones. Yeah, no, the, the, the studio is called Garth Manor, and the director is Chris McEnroy. And look up his stuff. It's absolutely great. The, uh, yeah, yeah, Tucker and Dover's Evil is, is mm-hmm. such a great, yeah, it's a meta commentary on, on that. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, and Hart, I think, uh, two great comic performances mm-hmm. in the middle of it, uh, in the form of Alan Tudyk and Tyler, Tyler Labine. Labine. Mm-hmm. Who's um, such an under, un, uh, oh, underseen actor. Way underappreciated, yeah. 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 Um, and it's also, I, it is one of the most howlingly funny horror comedies I've seen. I literally, mm-hmm. again, this, is just, this yeah. is just two weeks ago, I... I literally was laughing so hard. I like, I like my sides were hurting. I mean, I have, and it just it works so well. And, but uh, what well, it does is it, it takes the the misunderstanding of like screwball comedies mm-hmm. and puts that in a horror scenario, it's which I don't with arterial spray. <laughs> I don't think I had seen before, and that that's, that's one right, of the things that makes it wonderful. That is, Alan Tudyk adds a level of class. He's everything he's in. Every he's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, him stumbling around bee stung is just oh. so it's so funny I'm it's so 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 I know, it's it now. I know, you know? streaming on Netflix oh, so it's awesome. tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah one of the other things that I really love about it is again it's getting back to that misunderstanding one of my favorite DVD extras ever is on the DVD of Tucker and Dale versus Evil because it is a 20 minute cut of the movie solely from the from the teenager's point of view <laughs> So it turns it into a legitimate horror movie, and it's hysterical to see all of that put in context after you've seen the original movie. It's just, it's a lot of fun. That I, I, I watched it on a, a, a bare bones uh, kind of preview disc that I that I had, and unfortunately, it didn't have that as an extra. But if you can find the uh, DVD, and I'm sure the Blu-ray, it has that extra on it, and it's absolutely it's it's a must-watch right after you watch the movie all the way through. Let uh, me mention uh, just because we mentioned it briefly, but also of, of meta meta movies and with a lot of blood of Cabin in the Woods. Oh yeah, where yes. I'm gonna say, like the scene in which she's about to push the button mm-hmm. and she's sitting there waiting. Uh, Allison said this is the most giddy she's ever seen me in a movie theater. As I said there, push the button, push the button, push the button. I was saying, I'm going down. And then people were like, whoa, can you do it? And everything went nuts. But she says, like, this is the most, like, edge of my seat I've been just, like, going for something in a movie was that scene. So why does this movie get so much hate? I don't understand. There is definitely a backlash about this movie, but I love everything about it. I think it's a lot of times people wonderful. Didn't get what they expected out of it. And it changes into a different movie two-thirds of the way through, which I liked even better. I mean, I just well, think that's wonderful. And it, it's interesting because it, it did, it was pretty well reviewed, not quite as well reviewed as I think it should have been, but it was also a little bit of an underperformer at the box office. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really. It came out in January. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, you know, it could be part of it's the timing, but also I think maybe audiences were not ready for something that changed tonally the way it did. And also the way the movie ends, because as funny as it is, that ending is like, whoa. So but how, how many movies, though, are there? Like The Matrix is another movie that does that. You're watching one thing, and all of a sudden you're watching yeah. something else. Mm-hmm. There's lots of examples or of that. Colossal, it's a great movie. It starts out kind yeah. of comedic yeah. and then becomes not comedic. Yeah. I also appreciate that uh, with Cabin in the Woods, that they basically were like, fuck you, sequels. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. uh, 
And I think some people, well, again, the ending is where I tend to see people not like if they don't like something, is they don't like the direction it goes in. It's mm-hmm. very no holds barred, for sure. And that's part of why I love it, Me is that too. they just, they just like say, fuck it, and they do it. Um, uh, but yeah, there was a weird <coughs> backlash to it, yeah. which I do not get. It has every, it hits every button. Uh, and, and like at Bradley Whitford, and I mean, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus. All, all of their exchanges. That whiteboard. Oh, yeah. Genius. Yeah. Just genius. You don't They're want to see him bad song. <laughs> yes. It's, 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 it's a smarter movie than I think a lot of people expect it to be. Maybe they were just taken aback by they couldn't quite follow what happened. I've had well, friends who would do that. Who, if they can't, if they, if it presents a concept that they're not expecting, they just can't follow. So it's the twi- out. The twist is the problem. And I think I love for like maybe Annihilation. It is not definitely a horror comedy, but it came yeah. out last year where that didn't go where people expected it to do. So it got a lot of backlash because it wasn't. Where did people expect normal? It to go? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? I, well, Who knows? I, I was no like, idea. this is the color out of space. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I Thank thought you. it was a romantic comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, that's I how you want an audition. That's how my wife wants to audition. Where is Jennifer Lopez? Where's Jennifer Lopez? audition's not a romantic comedy. <laughs> 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 the wacky misadventure. Wait, what's in the sack? So you said you wanted to get the guy in the sack. They meant something completely different. So, Men beware. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Uh, moving on. Uh, does anybody else have some other selections they'd like to bust uh, out? Can I can I throw your next out there? Because yeah. I find that movie absolutely hysterical. The like, why won't you why won't you have sex with me next to your mother's dead body? Every time that gets me. <laughs> Every time. Like it's such a black humor. It's such a dark, dark humor. And messed up. But that's why I, I I like the messed up humor. I gear. I, it's I a terrific it. movie, and I never I, I it, it has some laughs. I never thought of it as a comedy per se, uh, but it I is. I cracked up the first time I saw it because it's yeah. well, and also the uh, you know we're not going to do too much spoilering here, but the kind of the nature of the heroine and what comes out. Yes, you know, and it, that is absolutely hysterical, and it it informs a very sharp turn tonally in the movie, but it somehow works, and it's. It's very funny, and it feels very random. Well, and you also have some, like, genuinely awful people, too, where you're like, these guys suck. True that. Like, True bring that. them out. Let's kill them, man. Let's do this. Yeah. Which that brings into the the Christmas humor of Krampus. Yes. Even nasty yes. people getting... <laughs> and Trick or Treat. And Trick or Treat, which is on here, too, yeah. yeah. Both I had both those on here. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, do I count these? Are they yes, just clean? Because no. yeah, yeah. uh, they're funny. Yeah. They are, genu- they are both genuinely funny. Trick or treats, I think, t- you know, it's taking its notes from Tales from the Crypt. Right, yeah, yes. absolutely. Like yeah, yeah. the very moralistic, you yes. do things absolutely. bad and something uh, might happen to you. But it's cheeky. It's, yeah. it's a it's little super cheeky. As, as yeah. Tales from the Crypt TV show was yeah. too, yeah. and the original comics. And, and Sam, like a again. sense of dark humor. Yeah. Right as I've often said, I wish I could have a child that was Sam. Like if I could <laughs> adopt a child that was Sam, that was a little adorable Halloween demon, man, that would my life would finally be complete. I'm inter- I'm interested in kind of picking your guys' brain about the flip side, which is about horror comedies that really don't work, because there are a lot of them out there. Are there any examples that the one to be trauma movies? There's just so many yeah. of those. Like even a lot well, of the actual Sharknado. trauma movies, Sharknadoes, yeah. like stuff on sci-fi that I, Roger Corman yeah, produces yeah, I, now. I, I think something where someone's tongue is jammed so deeply into their cheek that it's ripping out of the other end is just not. This is not funny. Yeah, and that's the way I... And it's, you know, I I have taken some heat from some people in the past, and those of you who are trauma fans, I, you know, all due respect, but 
I 99.9% of Troma's output, I just think, tries too damn yeah. hard. Yeah, which is true. Um, and, they, and it just, you know, there's something about that that's just very irksome to me. Yeah. Um, and so I really, I mean, there are a couple of uh, a couple of the Troma films that I am fond of. I mean, I really like The Toxic, Toxic Avenger. I think Tromeo and Juliet's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Cannibal the Musical, you know, yeah. it, it's Which got is, that, yeah, that Stone that and right. Parker, you know, yeah, broad yeah, yeah. humor But that's on my, my, um, my uh, But yeah, list. most of them, honestly, most of them just leave me absolutely, absolutely cold. I just, I, I don't find them funny. Uh, um, and again, trying too damn hard. Yeah, because a lot of that's like screaming at the back of the back of the camera and seeing Thank you. what what hits. And yeah. like when they do work, I think they work really well. I like Poultry Guys a lot. I like um, mm. yeah, Toxic Adventure one and four, mm-hmm. um, Charge of Kabuki Man, and there's a couple ones here and there I can't think of right now, but they're Terra Firmer in a degree, I guess. Mm. Uh, that's maybe a little too far out there, but like, but when you mentioned um, Tromeo and Juliet, you can't mention do that without mentioning James Gunn. Yeah. He then went on to make for Sad Guardians of the Galaxy, but made right. Slither. Slither, yeah. which yeah. is yeah. Belko. He wrote Belko yeah. Experiment, which I didn't like, but I understand why other people I, did. I liked Belko, yeah. Um, it just didn't hit me in the right place, but right. I need. It's one of those movies I feel like I need to revisit because I feel like maybe I missed something, was in the wrong mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Belko Experiment felt to me. I, it was an okay watch. I watched it, but it, was it could have been a short. <laughs> Oh, easily. Oh, good yeah. lord, yes. That easily you could have that could have been fifteen minutes and you, you did everything you needed to do with and, that concept in mm-hmm. fifteen minutes. And Mayhem did a I think a better job at, at yes. that same yeah. concept. Maybe even to a different degree severance, which is a completely different thing, but I, also oh, figured of yeah, people yeah, killing each severance. other who worked together. Mm-hmm. Uh what was another one? Uh, oh god, what was the name well, of it? Cooties. Yeah, Cooties oh, nice. was fine. I, I enjoyed Cooties. Because I didn't like it. My friend said, but I think again, I, I feel like I was in the wrong mood when I watched it because I just I felt like I was slogging through it. And it, to be fair, I watched it during Hundred Days of Horror, and mm. so I often Once hit I a boom, point boom, boom, where boom, I'm yeah. just like, I uh, I'm so I can't tell if the movie is something that's bad or I'm just done for a while. <laughs> so uh, on Halloween night after Trick or Treat was over, I screened that for a bunch of our parent friends, which was like <laughs> the kids were all put to bed. It was perfect counter-program. Yeah. So, yeah. I have a very uh, warm spot in my heart. Fair enough. Well, again, that, I, that's one that I feel like I need to revisit when yeah. I'm not having to watch 100 horror films in 100 yeah. days. Um, and I kind of love what Elijah Wood is doing right now. Yeah. Like, Whatever yeah. the fuck yeah. he wants to do. He is just quietly <laughs> mm-hmm. making horror because he loves Cause it. Because he loves it. And that is so cool. His and version of Maniac, that. Open Windows. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple other things he's, he's done. Well, did he produce? Was it one of the producers of Girl Walks Home at Night? Yeah. Yep. Oh, like, that's right. Yeah, he's, he's got his fingers in a lot <laughs> of really cool stuff. And uh, I, I really respect that. I think that's great. Yes. Um... One that's been recent are the Happy Death Day movies, yeah, which are yeah, which I think which again, sadly I have not seen. Time. The first one was fun. It I was didn't so see the second fun. one yet, but we we had a great. It's less horror, but it's just as, but it's just as good. Maybe really a little fun. bit below it, but yeah. it's yeah. more science fiction. But yeah, I definitely recommend. Uh, They're just Happy the Death Day. good. It's Groundhog Day with a slasher. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it's another one that that I recommend to my non-horror fans. I'm like, it's it's not particularly violent. It's silly. It's entertaining. What's a PG thirteen? Yeah, it's PG thirteen horror. It's its tongue is firmly in cheek and the right. Way. It knows what it is. And Jessica Roth is... Oh, she's She just kills it. She, I need to see her in more things. She's what makes it work, too. Yeah. And a lesser actress would not be able to pull it off, and she does. Uh, if uh, may I bring up this Joe Dante on the whole? 
between mm. uh, we mentioned yeah. the Gremlins mm-hmm. and uh, before, but we got the Pra we got Piranha, the Howling, oh, Burbs, yeah. so many other things yeah. that I'd not even bring up right and now. The guy with a wonderful black sense of humor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like and it's and it's been very persistent. Um it's not as successful. It's one of his first movies, actually. He co-directed it with Alan Arkish as Hollywood Boulevard, um, mm. which is a it's a, a an intermittently funny, um, but it has its moments uh, spoof of low budget uh, genre cinema of the time. It's set in a studio that's very similar to New World Pictures, which is where Dante did his early movies with Roger Corman, like every great filmmaker who was you know gen- genetically bred in the 70s worked with Roger Corman uh, and uh, it, it, it really has its moments and uh, he's always been there's always been a sense of affectionate humor to Joe Dante's output um, another one that comes to mind for me immediately is matinee which oh, is yeah. which is uh, the movie within a movie on matinee is mant uh, half man half ant all monster. Uh, John Goodman's great. Thank you. John Goodman's great. It's it's a knowing and loving nod towards uh, sizzle, not the steak film showman like William Castle, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it's it's just William Castle's horror comedy across the board. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Though some of his more serious work works. I think what homicidal, I think it's pretty solid as a film itself. Yeah, not 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 as a tongue in cheek as a straight up movie. As a straight up film, yeah. Homicidal is really. I mean, and it it actually the the twist uh, towards the end is really really effective. Mm, Absolutely. So if you want to see a non horror comedy that really works by a guy who normally did you know very jaunty um, you know fun spook shows, uh, which was kind of William Castle stock and trade homicidal. From 1961 is a good one to seek out. It's on DVD. I know. I don't know if anybody's done a Blu-ray of it. But it's I, don't know. I have it on DVD. So. That's a that's a, a slight you know a slight veer off of the off of the the main topic here. Um, steering us back, uh, another that I would kind of say a borderline horror comedy, which I'm very fond of, uh, is Zombieland. Actually, I, I yeah. have that on my stuff. I like that oh, movie a fun. lot. It's, it's a good time. And I and you know you know you're getting into you know you're set up for a pretty fun ride when it does. A checklist at the beginning, yeah, mm-hmm. and it does those wonderful freeze frames where you get the narration in the checklist, and it's it's uh, you know Jesse Eisenberg is is one of those comic presences that um, he's kind of like Habanero, you know, <laughs> um, you really have to have you, you really have to have the uh, the palate uh, to be able to, or be in the mood whatever um, to watch what he does, but he's he's pitch perfect in the movie. And, and the sequel's coming out. Uh, uh, I'm yeah. looking October. forward to it. There's yeah. there's a lot of fun moments in yeah, it. I, yeah, I, I love that film a lot. Yeah. Um, the one thing, though, that, that struck me when I saw it the first time, and I've watched it well, it's a lot of times since, but the, the thing is, is the reason it's a comedy and not a horror film is that at the end when he breaks his own rules, it doesn't cost him. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's a comedy. It's a romance. It's yeah. not really yeah. a horror movie. Yeah. Because if it was a horror movie, it would end very <laughs> yeah. differently. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Well, and, and I mean, kind of in that similar vein, Warm Bodies. Yeah. Like, I, again, it's just a sweet movie zombie love story. <laughs> when I brought that one up, you remember I brought that one up at the panel at Crypticon. Oh, I got yeah. a lot of eye rolls. <laughs> I, I think it's a fine movie. I, I, I enjoy it. Again, it's that's another one, too. like... When, when I have to pick, like, the romantic comedy for yeah. girls' night, like, I brought in Warm Bodies, and my girlfriends, again, who are not horror fans, really enjoyed it. Yeah. 
it just it's sweet and the performances are good and it's it's not a subtle movie but I, the book is yeah the book is good and it's just a it's a good time. Speaking of romance, Reanimator. Am yeah. I right? Oh yeah. Stuart Gordon was right here. Like, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Stuart Gordon always has that tongue in cheek and, you know, nature to him too, which is really funny because I mean it's um, H.P. Lovecraft adaptations <laughs> are a hard nut to crack. You really do not get a lot it's of good Lovecraft movies. Yeah. 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 It's a it very is, mixed bag. Um, so it's, it's very <laughs> interesting that Stuart Gordon seemed to have cracked the formula by basically um, amping up the comic content. Yeah. Especially in Reanimator. I mean, um, from yeah, beyond from less beyond so, is, but it does it does have its over the top moments. But Reanimator is solidly and a very inserting black sex horror. into it, which yeah. Lovecraft doesn't truck with a whole no, lot. This no, is this is true. But in Reanimator and From Beyond and in Dagon, all three of those films have a definite bit of the salacious, which is yeah. mixed with Lovecraft, which you didn't ordinarily see. Because you go like full bondage gear for Barbara yeah. Camden and, yeah. <laughs> oh, and from beyond. Damn. <laughs> Good head. <sighs> but, uh, if we're bringing up uh, Stuart Gordon, that kind of slides into where you started working with when you did Dolls, uh, which is another great one. Uh, he worked a lot with Full Moon early in his career. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. What do you guys think of, of Full Moon? Is it... I always feel like they're kind of trying a little bit yeah. too hard. Yeah. Not really, but not yeah. just hard enough. You know, like right below the point where if they tried, they put it's in just kind of enough a weird, effort. Yeah, it's a weird <laughs> but also spot too much where effort. It's, it's not quite... <laughs> they, they, it never... Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Uh, it seems like a lot of those films are not funny on purpose. <laughs> yeah. So much. Yeah. Like sci-fi They're just B-movies. By the time you get to like Puppet Master 4, you I think they yeah. know yeah. people are laughing at it, but they're not purposely trying to get to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, speaking of something that has a few strains of horror comedy in it, the the, the Littlest Reich, the, pup, the, yeah, the new, new Puppet one, yeah. Master movie written solid. by Craig yeah. Zoller, is actually a lot of fun. And there are some genuine laughs in that as well. I, I don't know if you... With Barbara Crampton and uh, it's, oh, yeah, Tom Bar- Lennon. Speaking yeah. of Barbara Crampton, she has a small but very memorable part in it and is absolutely hysterical. She gets to flex her comic muscles and she's terrific. So um, if you're a Barbara Crampton fan, definitely seek out uh, Puppet Master The Littlest Reich. Uh, if you are a fan of uh, kind of over-the-top horror, it's it's not a bad bet. It's it's not a masterpiece, but it's very entertaining, does what it does very well. And most crucially for modern horror, it has some damn imaginative kills in it. So, <laughs> nice. so We're almost out of time. Do we just want to throw up any, any titles that we haven't really uh, discussed? I have two that we haven't talked about yet, which are Slumber Party Massacre, <laughs> which is a personal favorite of mine, nice. and uh, Housebound. Oh, yes, that's a money. Housebound yeah. is totally fun. Yes, I adore that movie. Uh, but uh, Slumber Party Massacre, I just enjoy the, again, the playing with the slasher genre, uh, the moment with the pizza guy, and then they still eat the pizza. <laughs> like, that's that always, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you like that, check out, okay, this is low budget. Okay. But uh, we did a film a couple of years back from Anim Films called Fear Town USA. You recall that one? No. So uh, this this company they also did one that is a spoof of slashers called the Slashening. Slashening, <laughs> that's a beautiful. And, and they've got it. Slashening two has been kickstarted, and it's nice. they're they're wrapping it up now. It wasn't done soon enough to for us to show at our fest this year. Right. So maybe next year we'll see. But uh, the Slashening is ridiculous, low budget, stupid fun. Nice. Yeah, and Pizza Guy, it's got all the all the tropes all the are there. Tropes. And skewered. That's yeah. awesome. 
Uh, Steve, other titles for you? Uh, that's I kind of hit all my list, man. All right. Uh, I have a couple I'm going to throw out. This isn't quite horror, but it's thrown in there a lot. Turbo Kid, talking about like score. Yeah. And, uh, I still haven't seen that. Uh, the, the Wolf Cop movies, which the second one played at. Uh, were they both of them played? They play both played. I, I know the second one exists there. Uh, great, you know, tongue-in-cheek. Yep. Run, run we that. gave those their Seattle yes. premieres. Yes. Uh, yeah. Night of the Creeps. I'm surprised it actually didn't come up until now. Your dates are here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the good news is your dates are here. The bad news is they're dead. Thrill me. Uh, Peter, uh, some Peter Jackson's work. Uh, we mentioned Brain Dead, so Dead Alive, yeah. but Bad Taste, Meet the Feebles mm. and the Frighteners, mm-hmm. uh, all hilarious movies. Word has it that now that uh, he finished, they will not grow old. He's going back to put out a uh, box set. Yeah, he's 4 Yeah, he's, he's going through it Bad again Taste in 4K. <laughs> restoring it. And, I sure uh, how I feel about that. <laughs> I'm pretty excited to see that box set. Thank God. Uh, I wanted to uh, Poultry Guys, I mentioned earlier. Um, Demon Wind. Uh, oh, Demon Wind. <laughs> <laughs> I know Tony is a scene, but I know Kevin, uh, Steve Ab, uh, which I had a blast or watching. AKA the movie with the great lenticular yes. cover. Uh, Dead and Breakfast, 2004, was, oh, was, pretty, yeah. was pretty solid stuff. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think it's everything else on my list besides uh, Fido. With Billy Connolly, it's a oh, zombie. Yeah, that's oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that one. That's a good time. And the, it's a really good time. The, the Babysitter, which appeared on Netflix last year, which is oh a, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, solid rip on that. Uh, kind of like a more funny version of um, of uh, Better Watch Out, which is billed coming as a comedy, but isn't really. Yeah. Um, and then some Frank Hindenlauter stuff. Uh, <laughs> Basket oh, case. Oh, God, yeah. Basket case, bra- brain damage. Frankenhooker. 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 Lots of luck with you and them exploding bitches. Uh, <laughs> there's oh, a, God. I want to mention there's a film, there's there's nothing out there, which I mentioned last year on the panel, uh, which is hardly seen, but it's from like early 90s. It's a, it's a it, parody of... They uh, just put it out on Blu-ray, and oh. the Shockwaves podcast has a very good interview with the director. For and, There's Nothing Out There? Yeah, for There's yeah. Nothing Out There, so it's worth seeking out. And the last thing on my list was something that's maybe a comedy, maybe not, depending on how you look at it, but American Psycho. <laughs> it's that very, is very true. dark. That, that is some Mary, savage Mary, yeah. Mary Heron meant that to be a comedy. Yeah, no, it, and it... Yeah, no. Well, the, the whole monologue extolling the virtues of Hugh Lewis in the news is actually absolutely brilliant. It is the most trenchant, um, savage skewering of uh, 80s consumer culture that you could possibly <laughs> imagine, and it's wonderful. Um, yeah, that's yeah. everything I had, uh, Tony. You had anything else from you? Uh, let me see. The only other one that I had to mention uh, was one that... Uh, the Fearless Vampire Killers oh, yeah, yeah. from 1967, which was directed by Roman Polanski. Well, pardon me, but um, your teeth are in my neck. Yes, a.k.a. pardon me, but your teeth are in my neck, um, which is actually a pretty effective uh, spoof of the Hammer films mm-hmm. from the 50s and 60s. Um, it is a little bit um, hard to watch. Uh, there's, a, there's a tinge of, of the melancholy to it because the leading lady is, of course, Sharon Tate, mm, who right. um, uh, tragically um, did not... Uh, live much long after that film uh, that film was completed uh, that and also a couple of failures um, there's a 1982 slasher spoof called Student Bodies oh, I love oh, Student yeah. Bodies which has I some, love it to death which, has, which has some it has some good laughs mm-hmm. um, and it's also got some comedy cred because it was I think written and directed by Mickey Rose who um, co-wrote uh, What's Red. Up Tiger Lily with Woody Allen um, back in the mid 60s which is a very funny 
it's basically a Japanese spy movie from 1965 that's been redubbed with like classic Borscht Belt shtick comedy, and it's it's all Mickey Rose and, and Woody Allen. But I uh, I link Student Bodies with um uh with Slaughter High. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. I like yeah. Slaughter yeah. High a lot. Yeah, uh, it's stupid in all the best ways. Yeah. I can't believe I didn't even think about it now. Some of my friends and I used to watch in early 2000s all the time. <laughs> like we, That was our go-to. We're getting drunk. We're going to watch Slaughter High. Oh, and another thumbs up, actually, for um, a movie that Steve Holitz's wonderful festival introduced me to, which is Patchwork. I mentioned that yeah. in passing earlier um, because in the context of the director having followed up with Tragedy Girls. Um, I think Patchwork, um, getting back to... Uh, something that cross-pollinate genres very ably. It is a wonderful, feminine-minded feminist comedy that happens to also be... It, it's basically like uh, a less superficial version of Sex and the City combined with Reanimator. <laughs> and it works so well. It's well-acted, it's hysterically funny, and it's also quite affecting. And it's a real profound commentary on... Um, outside perfe- per, um, perceptions of female, um, I think, female roles in society. And it's these three aspects of femininity, because it's literally three women trapped in one body who are dealing with um, with their own insecurities as well as um, society's perceptions. Mm-hmm. And it's funny as hell. Great movie. And actually one that was at the festival that I really liked, because uh, I have a love for found footage, is found footage 3D. <laughs> Um, I, I know, I, and that's one that I've, I think people had kind of mixed feelings about, but I, I enjoyed it. Also. I liked the lot. I really liked it. And part of it is again, I have uh, a huge love for found footage movies and it, again, it hits on all of those beats of, uh, the tropes. Um, I, and, and he knew like, Steve, yeah. did you know, he, he was talking to us about it and he's like, I watched 50 to 100 different <laughs> yeah. footage movies. I watched before, before I wrote this, I watched <laughs> everything I could find. So that I knew the genre inside and out. All of those That pieces. is some sadomasochistic yeah. behavior. The the one mistake I made when was that I sat a little too close to the screen. <laughs> and there was some moments I actually had to... And I'm not normally prone to getting like motion sick when watching movies. But uh, I had to like take the 3D glasses off during one of the shaky cam moments. Because I was just oh. like, oh, hi. This is... I, I can I can see and, that. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was a... Good time, and that's also I think streaming it's now on shutter. Uh, shutter. Yeah. yeah, so alas, not in three D. Not in three D. That director, Steve DiGennaro, did two other, uh, well, one other short that won our uh, viewers' choice for best live action the year before that. It's called First Date, and uh, enough said. Just look it up. It's, you can find it online. Oh my god, it's, I remember. It's hysterical. It's, it's, a, it's, it's great. It's it is so great. good. He has a new one this year that is completely different. It is totally tense, and you're gonna see it. Cool, I can't wait. Nice. Alright, so uh, yeah, we're out of time. So, so, uh, Steve, go ahead and uh, plug yourself again for where you can find your stuff and what's going on. You can find our <laughs> stuff at bonebat.com. A uh, new podcast once a month. And uh, again, tickets are available now for the Comedy of Horse Film Fest on April 13th at the SIF Uptown Cinema. Uh, the We're going to announce our lineup on March 20th. So uh, if you're waiting on the fence to see what we're going to show, pretty soon you'll have an idea of the entire lineup for the evening, and uh, it's going to be a good time. Don't miss it. Oh, hi. (laughs) 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 So we are City of Geek, and we're... uh, Thank you for listening. Thanks, Steve, for coming out and uh, talking to us. It was a pleasure, guys.
uh, come see us all at Crypticon. Uh, mm-hmm. I presume that we're all going to be there. So, mm. uh, and then uh, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks when we talk about something. I guess it be April, so to be the uh, spring movie preview. Nice. So, we'll check that out. I'm Bob. I'm Kim. I'm Tony. And thank you for listening. Thanks. And I was about to leave everybody here to save it. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs>